Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Breakdown Podcast with your host, Pastor Brandon. Today, Joshua chapter 15, and this one, the title would have to be Passing Something On to the Next Generation. I think that the idea of passing something on to those who come behind us is something we don't think about enough until we get older in life. We think that when we're young, we don't need to be passing on, we need to be receiving. But I think this is something that no matter the age that you are, it's a good idea to think about what am I leaving for the person behind me? And we're going to get into that in just a moment, as always. But if you like what we're doing here, make sure you like, share, and subscribe to this video on YouTube. If you were listening to the podcast, first of all, you're my favorite. <laughs> I love you so much. I would love for you to do me a favor. Go to YouTube. Look up my name, Brandon Cannon. You have to scroll through there a little bit because there's a bunch of us. I want you to subscribe. We're on the road to 1,000. I got some really neat ideas I want to try, but we need to get to 1,000 before YouTube will let us do it. I want to really dive into the idea of how to engage with God's Word in different stages of life. I already got some ideas about talking about how to engage with your children, interviews with children's pastors, uh, interviews with student pastors. As a student, as a middle school, high school student, how can you engage with God's Word in the college level as a parent, as a man, as a woman, as a as a senior adult? I just I got a lot of ideas. Got to get to a 1,000 so they will let us do the live stream thing. So if you want to do that for us, we are at a little over 300 people, so we got a long way to go, but we're going to get there. I noticed just the other day over 7,000 people viewed our videos, or 7,000 times it was viewed. So there's enough of us we can do this, okay? All right, also, go to the Bible Breakdown discussion on Facebook and let us know how you're engaging with God's Word. Man, the more we dig, the more we find. And there's some amazing devotions coming out on that discussion group right now. All right, speaking of that, let's get into today's. And while you're getting your, your Bible and your cup of coffee ready, let me catch you up. This is all about the nation of Israel fulfilling the promise that God had made to them over 400 years ago. That's one of the things I like about this amazing book is it's God fulfilling his promises, but he's using the people to do it. And that's what we got to remember is that God's promises are not like a get out of jail free card where we just, you know, okay, God do it and we walk away. But no, no, he says, man, I got a lot I want to do and I'm going to partner with you to do it. So God's promises are a lot like open doors and God's opportunity to make those things happen. And we get to see that throughout this amazing book because they go and they conquer all the land, and then they have to allocate all the land. Like, if they don't move into these territories, those enemies are going to come back, and the ground is going to overgrow and all this kind of stuff, and so they have to go and take over this land. And that's what we've been reading. A lot of these really hard words or what these cities were called that they've taken over. And now they're giving this land to these people and saying, this is what you've been waiting on. Go get it. And we're going to read today about how there's land that's given to the tribe of Judah. And then Caleb is going to come back into the story and then more land for Judah. Judah was a massive tribe, one of the biggest ones. So we're going to jump into this. We're going to read this. And then halfway through, I want us to see what happens to this guy named Caleb, which, by the way, Caleb was the only person other than Joshua who did not die in the wilderness from that original generation. So think about Caleb got to see the Red Sea part. He got to eat the manna. 
Now he's getting to see the promise fulfilled. But we're going to get to him in just a moment. First, let's read chapter 15 of Joshua, verse 1. It says this, The allotment for the clans of the tribe of Judah reached southward to the border of Edom as far south as the wilderness of Zin. The southern boundary began at the south bay of the Dead Sea, and it ran south to to Scorpion Pass, which sounds really cool, into the wilderness of Zin, and then went south of Kadesh Barnea to Hezron. Then it went up to Adar, where it turned toward Karka. <laughs> From there, it passed to Asmon until it finally reached the brook of Egypt, which it followed to the Mediterranean Sea, and this was their southern border boundary. The eastern boundary extended along the Dead Sea to the mouth of the Jordan River. The northern boundary began at the bay where the Jordan River empties into the Dead Sea, and then it went up to Beth Holgal and then proceeded north to Beth Arba to the stone of Behan. Behan was Reuben's son. From that point, it went south to the valley of Achor to Debir, turning north toward Gilgal, which is across the slopes of Aduman on the south side of the valley. From there, the boundary extended to the springs of En Shemesh to En Rogel. The boundary then passed through the valley of Ben-Hinnom along the southern slopes of the Jebusites, where the city of Jerusalem is located. Then it went west to the top of the mountain above the valley of Hinnom and and up to the northern end of the valley of Rephaim. From there, the boundary extended from the top of the mountain to the spring at the waters of Nephtah, and from there to the towns of Mount Ephron. And then it turned toward Balha, (laughs) that is... A word begins with the K. The boundary circled to the west of Belal to the Mount Seir and passed along the town of Keshlon of the northern slope of Mount Jerim and then went down to Beth Shamash onto Timnah. The boundary then proceeded to the slope of the hill north of Ekron and where it turned toward Shikarion and Mount Belal and passed through Jebneel and ended in the Mediterranean Sea. These words are so hard to say. And the western boundary was the shoreline of the Mediterranean Sea. Thank goodness these are the boundaries to the clown, the clowns, the clans of the tribe of Judah. Those are so hard to say. But a, w- a really good way to get our minds around this also is to think about it, first of all, as though you don't have roads. Right? These are just pieces of land that they're trying to like give you some kind of context for. But also think of it like you're going over in an airplane. You're looking at this vast expanse, and they're using either like old towns or or natural landmarks like the Jordan River, you know, the border of Egypt, the Mediterranean Sea, to help us get our minds around it. And from this moment moving forward, I'm going to really give it my best guess. But before that, verse 13 is what I really want to kind of zoom in on, 13 through 19. It says this, The Lord commanded Joshua to assign some of Judah's territory to Caleb, son of Jephunneh. So Caleb was given the town of Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron which has been named after Anak's ancestor. Anak, or Caleb, drove out the three groups of the Anakites, the descendants of Sheshi, Aham, and Talmi, the sons of Anak. And from there, he went to fight against the people living in the town of Debir, formerly called Kiriath Sefer. And then Caleb said, I will give my daughter Eksha <laughs> in marriage to, one of, uh, to the one who attacks Kiriath Sefer. And Othenel, uh, the son of Caleb's brother, uh, Kenza was the one who went and conquered it. So Aksha became Othenel's wife. And then I love this. And then his daughter, whose name begins with an A, that once she had gotten married, she urged him to ask her father for a field. As she got down off her donkey, Caleb asked her, 
What's the matter? She said, give me another gift. You have already given me the land of the Negev. Now please give me the springs of water too. So Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs. I'm going to take a moment and think about that idea of she was asking her father to impart something to her, give her something that she needed more than what he was giving, but she was coming to him for it. And I want you to think on that idea, and we're going to finish with that in a moment, the idea of giving something to our next generation. So let's finish this, and we're going to talk about that. The towns allotted to Judah, verse 20, the homeland allocated to them, when the towns situated along the borders of Edom in the extreme southern territories were Kazbil, Eder, Jeger, Kinha, looks like Domino, <laughs> that's not what that says though, Edada, Kadesh, Hazor, Ithnan, Ziph, Telem, and Beeloth, Hezor, Hadath, Kaoth, Hezron, that is Hezor, Imam, Shema, Molda, Hezar, Gada, Hishman, Beth, Pelet, Hazar, Shua, Beersheba, Bistath, <laughs> Baal, Lim, Azim, El Toda, Kesil, Orhma, Ziklag, Adama, Shensha, Leboth, Selil, In, Remon, and 29 other surrounding villages. If you think you can do better, you let me know. The following towns situated in the western foothills were also given to Judah. Here we go. Ishtal, Zorar, Eshnan, Zanho, Inganim, Tabhuth, Inam, Jarmuth, Edulam, Soko, Azka, Sarim, Edathin, Gedara, and Gedothim, 14 towns and their surrounding villages. Also included were Zinan, Hadasha, Migdal, Gad, Dalin, Zipha, Kothil, Lakish, Bozhath, and Iglon, Kibon, Laman, and Katish, and Gedroth, Beth, Dagon, Nemha, and Makadesh, 16 towns in their surrounding villages. Besides these were Libna, Ether, and Eshan, and Pithath, <laughs> Eshnath, Zibin, Kelil, and Akzib, and nine towns surrounding villages. You know what's happening? Is my, my eyes are starting to cross because none of these make sense in English. But every one of these towns represent a place where a family is going to be able to settle that were once formerly slaves. So we're going to suffer through these because this is a legacy for these people. The territory, verse 45, of the tribe of Judah also included Ekron and its surrounding settlements and villages. From Ekron and the boundary extended west and included the towns of Ashdod with their surrounding villages. It also included Ashdod with its surrounding settlements and the villages of Gaza, which was the settlements and the villages as far as the brook of Egypt and along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. Judah also received the following towns in the hill country, Shamir, Jatir, Soko, Dana, and Kareth Sana, that is Debir, Anab, Eshtemoth, Anim, Goshen, Holon, and Gihol, 11 towns and their surrounding villages. Also included the towns of Arab, Duma, Eshnan, Jamim, and Beth Tapu, Afeka, <laughs> Humta, Karith Arba, that is Hebron, and Zeor, nine towns and the surrounding villages. Besides these were Maon, Carmel, Ziph, Jetu, Jezreel, Jedogim, Cain, Gabiah, and Timnah, 
10 towns and surrounding villages. Addition was one that begins with an H, a B, a G, an M, a B, and an E. Six of them jokers and surrounding villages. And then here we go. These were the towns of Kiriath Baal, that is Kiriath Jerem, Rabbah, and the two towns and their villages, surrounding villages. In the wilderness were the towns of Beth Arba, Medin, Seca, Nibshan, the city of Salt, and Ingadi, six towns and surrounding villages. But the tribe of Judah could not drive out the Jebusites who lived in the city of Jerusalem. So the Jebusites live there in the people of Judah to this day. That is a lot of cities. Whew. Okay, let's go back up and look at what happened to Caleb. And I want to finish on this. Caleb has taken over this area, and he gave it to his descendants. Caleb's old. Okay, He's probably not going to live much longer anyway. He's not doing this for himself. He's doing this for the next generation anyhow. But then his daughter comes to him and says, Dad, thank you so much for what you've given me. I still need more. Now, he could have been like, hey, look, I didn't, I didn't help you. Get on out of here. But instead, he was like, what else can I do for you? How else can I help you? And what I really thought about when I was first reading this was the next generation, they always need more from us than we are prepared to give. Not because anything's wrong. It's just because every generation that goes, they have new challenges and new things that we've never been through. Can I tell you, one of the things that has been the most eye-opening in my life is sitting with people who are a generation and two generations older than me. Because the generation that is oldest, like people in their 80s, they look at the people in their 60s and they go, oh man, when they were kids, I just didn't know what we were going to do. It was, I, I couldn't imagine growing up in their generation. The people in their 60s look at, their pe- look at people in their 30s and 40s and they say the same thing. People in the 30s and 40s say that to the people that are teenagers. And it's because every generation has something new and something different that they're having to experience. And so it's not because they are unable. It's because we've never been this way before. And I wonder if Caleb's daughter is like, Dad, that sounds good, but we also need this to make it. And instead of getting angry, instead of getting frustrated, Caleb said, well, what I have, I'm going to give you and was willing to give her what he had. And I want to say this to you. Maybe you're in this situation and you're an older person. Like, like you're in this situation where you look at the younger generation and go, why are you? Why is this not enough for you? Why are you not doing better than this? And you really look down on that generation. I just want to encourage you with this. The reason why is because they've never been this way before. And they're encountering things that we can't even imagine. So I want to encourage you, instead of giving up on this next generation, understand that we don't understand, and then just do your best to help as much as you can. Now, on the other side, I want to talk to the younger generation and say, the reason why they seem so out of touch, those older people do, is because they don't understand what you're going through. However, the principles that they've learned along the way are the same principles that will work for you. And one of the things that I think that we don't do enough of is we don't ask the generation that has gone before us enough. Yes, the practicals may not work. They don't understand the realities of what you have to deal with. But the, pra- but the principles of loving God, loving our neighbor, sharing our life with others, that never gets out of style. And I love this idea of on one end, you've got Caleb that is fighting for that next generation, but yet doesn't fully understand what all that they need. But I also love that this younger generation, his daughter, is willing to come to him and say, I still need you. You're still valuable to me. I still 
have need of you. And I think in this generation, more than ever, the people who are, I would say, 30 and below, you are dealing with things that people 30 and over can't even imagine. We didn't grow up with the access to things that you have. So can we always help you in the practicals? Not always. But that the principles that we learned about loving God, loving others, all those things, those never go out of style. And so I think there's a unique thing when we realize that the older generation has value and the younger generation has value. And when we work together, we're able to move forward with joy. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much, Lord, that your word is true and that you are good. I'm thankful, God, that you give everyone an opportunity to make a difference. Maybe there's people listening to this today that they're, they're getting older and they wonder if they still have a place in this world. I pray you will help them to realize, God, that they always have a place to be a mentor, to be a leader, and to continue to fulfill your plan for their life. Lord, I pray for the younger ones who feel sometimes lost. They feel like that they don't know what to do and they, they just wish someone would come and help them. I pray you will open their eyes to see that, yes, the practicals may not be the same, but the principles of those who've gone before still work and that they will invest in those relationships around them. I'm thankful, God, that you've given us everything we need to do everything you've called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. My prayer for you is that when you get to the end of your life, you'll be able to say, as Joshua did in Joshua 21:45, not a single one of all of the good promises that the Lord had given was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. I love you, and I'll see you tomorrow for Joshua chapter 16.